We're going to begin over in John chapter 6 today. So if you have a Bible, turn here with me. John chapter 6. Jesus in John chapter 6 has been talking about he is the way of salvation. He is the bread of life. He's the only way to heaven. There's no other way to heaven except through him. And uh, he says this in John chapter 6 in verse 47. He says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. There is not a simpler statement in all of Scripture. The only one that might come close is Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Those two go beautifully together. Of course, the first one spoken by Jesus, the other one spoken by the Apostle Paul. Here we see in John 6, 47. Now granted, there's a context to that. The context is Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus will go to the cross, make a payment for our sin, come back from the dead, and that it is only through faith in him that you have everlasting life. Once you have it, you have it forever because everlasting life is everlasting. Now, if you question that, go back several messages, and I, over three weeks, covered 12 reasons why eternal security is true. And so I really recommend that you go back and listen to those. Now, this being so, and this being true, and this, folks, what we do is you you bring a truth down to its simplest terms to where you look at the scriptures to where there's no debate over what they could be talking about. That's your foundation. When you study, when we talk about hermeneutics, the study of scripture and the interpretation of scripture, that's where you always begin. You interpret unclear passages by clear ones. You don't interpret clear passages by unclear passages. And yet that is what's going on many times today. Now the false teaching, and there is no other description for it, that I am covering this morning has the potential to literally drive people insane. I do not say that as a figure of speech. I do not say that lightly. I say it just the way I said it. This false teaching can drive people insane. I know I have counseled countless hours with people who have been in the grasp, in the grip of the false teaching of the perseverance of the saints, and these people live lives of nightmare and fear. And yet so many people hold to it today. And there are people who say they don't believe it, who in fact do believe it by what they teach, even though maybe they understand they're doing it and maybe they don't. It can lead people to live in torment day by day. It can make people psychotic. The popular and yes, false doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, which is one of the five points in Calvinism, is causing great confusion today. Let me clearly say this today. It is a false gospel. It is a false gospel. It is not the true gospel. And you know, some people will say, well, it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not something to make an issue of. It is something to make an issue of. Listen, friends, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of where you end up when you die. I call it the theological elephant in the room, going back to our first week in this study. If you say there is an elephant in the room, you mean that there is an obvious problem or difficult situation that people do not want to talk about, even though everyone knows it's there. We just want to ignore it. 
We want to pretend it's not there. We want to pretend it's something other than really what it is. And yet it is this huge, obvious problem that's staring at us. Well, you know what we're going to do this week and next week? We're going to confront it face to face. The false teaching of the perseverance of the saints is one of those issues. Now, in order to show the error of the doctrine, let us first define what the perseverance of the saints is according to various confessions and theologians, okay? Now, what did I just say? Here's what I said. I am going to quote them. I'm going to let you see what they are teaching. I give you my word, I'm not taking any of these out of context. I cannot show you entire articles. They would be multiple pages, but I can show you the truth. And in fact, these things, and if you want the footnotes on where you can find these things on your own, you contact me and I will get you the exact page number and publication that these things are from. It is important to let those who believe and promote this doctrine speak for themselves. Now remember, preservation of the saints is not the same as the perseverance of the saints. Preservation is God's faithfulness in keeping us saved. The preservation of the saints is eternal security. The perseverance of the saints is the teaching that you must continue on in faithfulness until you die and therefore then make it to heaven. Question, is there a guarantee that we will live a victorious Christian life and be faithful to the end once we're saved? The answer to that biblically is no. There is no guarantee that that will take place. Now, does God want us, once we've trusted Christ the Savior, to go on and live for Christ and live a godly life? Yes, he does. And the Bible has that many places. And actually, we've even covered that already in this study. And we will, by the way, continue to emphasize that as we go through. But is that a condition to being saved? No, no. But see, this idea of if you're saved, it's a guarantee that you are going to be faithful to the end of your life. And if you don't, you're not a Christian. That's what they teach. Now, this is what perseverance of the saints teaches. And if we were to honestly think that through, then we would all have to doubt whether we were saved at times or not. If you're honest, you would have to doubt it. And by the way, even Calvinistic theologians, many of them doubt their own salvation. Did you know that? They doubt their own salvation. And yet these are the leaders within Christendom today. See, if perseverance of the saints is true, we would never in reality ever have the assurance of salvation. And that is why they don't have the assurance of salvation. And yet what we have already seen in scripture, what does the Bible say? Well, you're in John chapter six. Now, you know what? Verse 47 should be enough. If Jesus is God and he can't lie, he says, if you believe on me, if you put your trust in me, you have everlasting life. Isn't that simple? But see, man comes along and undermines that. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 37. It says in verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing 
but should raise it up again at the last day. Jesus said if you come to him by faith, he promises he will never cast you out. He says he will never lose you. Is that true or not? That is true. Therefore, you can know you have eternal life today. Why? Because if Jesus promised it, it's a done deal. Because he can't lie and he can't fail. Isn't that just so simple? So I can be sure I'm going to heaven. I can rejoice in that. I can sing as we sang this morning. No condemnation now I dread. I am my Lord's and he is mine. Jude chapter 1 and verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Preserved in Jesus Christ. That means that I am preserved where? Not by my good deeds. I'm preserved because I am in Christ. I'm a child of God. Now, the doctrine of perseverance is one of the five principles, five points of Calvinism, which is called the tulip, so to speak. I won't go into detail on on those things. I could at a later time, but not today. This is such a serious issue that I do not want to put words in the mouths of those who believe it. Rather, I want to quote them. Now, before we get into the quotes, let me say this so no one misunderstands, because folks, let me tell you something. What I'm covering, people will misunderstand, and they'll say things like, well, he's trying to be divisive. Well, he's tearing down Bible teachers or certain people or certain confessions and and all this. I'm not tearing down anyone. What I'm doing is I'm quoting to you what they say and then comparing it with Scripture. I have nothing personally against the people or the confessions that I, well, I do have something against the confession, okay, the Westminster Confession. But I don't have anything against the individuals themselves. I have everything against the false teaching of the individuals. Can we see the difference between the two? See, it's one thing to tear down character like they were doing all this last week with Judge Kavanaugh. That is a total disgrace to our nation, okay? And I thank God for the courage of Lindsey Graham to get up and say what he did about what went on. We should be ashamed as a nation to do things like that. I would like to see that kind of thing backfire on those who do it. So I'm not going after individuals, I'm going after what they say, because what they say is false, and it is teaching despair. Now I know there are people who say, well, you know, but it's better for a person to be in despair because they're not accepting the truth than to have some sort of a false hope. Well, you know what? Amen to that. But let me tell you something, friend. If your faith is in anything but Jesus Christ, you ought to be in despair. Because you'll never make it to heaven. It's only and only by his blood and not by your works that you're saved. So let's do some quoting today. I usually don't do this. And of course, on your sheet today, you don't have anything but verses, I think. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you on the screen today the quotes. And we are going to, I'm going to emphasize certain parts of those quotes because I want you to see it. The first thing we're going to go to is what's called the Westminster Confession of faith. This is the doctrinal statement, you might say, of those who hold to Reformed theology, especially the Presbyterians, will hold to this. And it says this, quote, of the perseverance of the saints. Here's what the Westminster Confession says. They 
whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Now you read that and you say, well, amen. Boy, that sounds like eternal security. That's not what they're getting at. They're not talking about security in Christ. Look at what it says. But shall certainly persevere therein to the end. Persevere, stay faithful, keep going, and be eternally saved. Now look at that. They, look what it says, shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. Now, they'll say, well, God is the one who provides what you need to persevere to the end. Yes, that is what they teach. But friends, you are still having to persevere, which is stay faithful, stay going, stay true to Christ if you are going to be saved in the end. Wait a minute. Whatever happened to when you believe you're saved? You see, the perseverance of the saints completely dismantles biblical salvation. The Bible says that once you get saved, you're saved forever, and now God will work in your life. Yes, but once you get saved, you're saved forever. You're an eternal child of God. That's not what they believe. According to this confession, all believers must and will persevere to the end, although there can be some failure in between. They'll tell you that. Now, this is the common belief of many. It is interesting to note, though, that when you talk to a Calvinist and you say, well, don't you think that there can be some, oh yeah, there can be some failure. Well, how much failure can there be? They'll never tell you that. They can't tell you that. Because what they've done is they've left the solid foundation of faith alone in Christ alone and eternal security. They have left that and they now have have moved into a, a fog of subjectivism and feelings and uncertainty that any person, if they look at that theology, they have to say, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I've been having these thoughts lately, or I've been having these feelings lately, or you know what? I thought I was saved, but I did this or that the other day. I wonder if I'm really saved to begin with. Instead of claiming the promise of God, rejoicing in that, that all their sins are forgiven, and then going on from there in confidence in grace. Folks, it is a tragic, it is a tragic issue. Also notice by this quote, it is the person, not the Savior, who perseveres. You have to persevere if you're going to make it in the end. That's what they're teaching. May I be so bold as to say, folks, that is works for salvation. That is what it is. Why cannot we be satisfied with the blood of Christ as my way to heaven? J.I. Packer, very popular theologian, wrote the very, very popular book, Concise Theology. In Concise Theology, he says this, and I quote, the doctrine, he's referring to perseverance of the saints, declares that, watch it, the regenerate are saved through persevering in faith and Christian living to the end. Do you see it? I didn't make this up. This is a quote right from the book. The doctrine of perseverance declares that the regenerate are saved through persevering in faith and Christian living to the end, and that it is God who keeps them persevering. Now look at this next phrase. Only those who show themselves to be regenerate by pursuing hard holiness and true neighbor love 
as they pass through this world, are entitled to believe themselves secure in Christ. Only if you're living a faithful life are you entitled to believe you're secure in Christ. So what are you basing your eternal life on? It's the way you live, not who you trusted. I continue, persevering in faith and penitence. Not just in Christian formalism is the path to glory. How do you get to heaven? How do you get to glory? By persevering in faith and penitence, not just in Christian formalism. That's how you get to heaven. Notice carefully that last statement. He says that I must persevere to get to glory. If I must persevere to be saved, then am I not working my way to heaven? How could you interpret that some other way? Well, he can't mean that, but he does mean that. Let me tell you something as an author, okay? I was talking to Pastor Trout this morning about this. Friend, you know, it's one thing for a public speaker to get up and as he speaks, makes mistakes. I made a mistake earlier. I, I should have said perseverance. I said preservation or, one or something one way or another. That's one thing because it's real time. You're on the fly and you know our brains don't always function the way they should when we're talking. However, let me tell you something. It's way different once you write a book. You have read, you have weighed, you have thought through every single phrase and word in that book. And if you're not satisfied with it, don't send it to the printer. Don't send it to the publisher. Here's the truth of it. What you have written, you are saying you stand on that and that is exactly what you believe. You might say, well, I think he's a, he's a great man of God. He's a great author. I am not judging his character. I'm just telling you this. You don't go by opinion and how you feel about somebody. You go by, does what they teach match up with the word of God? That's what we go by. No ax to grind today. I just want you to see these things for yourself. Another popular theologian of the past, Charles Hodge, famous for his reformed theology, systematic theology. All right. In his commentary on Romans, he declares this. Now watch this, and I quote, the only evidence of our election, your salvation, and perseverance is a patient continuance in well-doing. The only evidence that you're saved is a patient continuance in well-doing. Questions, how much well-doing? How much failure is allowed? Where do you draw the line? Where is the line? For how long do you have to be faithful? Listen, these are legitimate questions. Folks, this is the elephant in the room. Let's address it. Let's face this. This is serious. There are people sincerely wanting to know how they can be sure of heaven and and know they're going to heaven. They want to know that. And God has declared it. And yet man comes in and undermines what God has said. Jesus said, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. Man comes along and says, no, no. You have to stay faithful. You have to live a holy life. You have to have neighbor love. I can't resist. Sounds like something out of the late 60s. Anyways, let's move on. But anyways, now according to Hodge, there is no other means of having the assurance of salvation other than our performance or our faithfulness to Christ at any given moment. So then how can you know you're saved? If you're honest. If this is a fact, then no one can ever have any real assurance of salvation. None. 
But what does the Bible say? Well, turn with me to 1 John 5 in verse 13. It says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can know that you have eternal life. Does the Bible say that? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior? Do you know that you have eternal life? By the way, the right answers there would have been yes, yes, and yes. We all get that. But Reformed theology says, well, you can't really know. Folks, they believe you can't really know. They say you can't really know. This is serious. This is very, very serious. How can you confidently, with boldness and joy, share your faith if what you're sharing with somebody is hope that they make it to heaven. Not knowledge, not assurance, but maybe. And when I say hope, I'm not talking about biblical. I'm talking about normal, the way people thought, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. No way, God is something better than that. Imagine going up to somebody and saying, well, you know what? Jesus loves you. He died for you. He came back from the dead. If you put your faith in him and live a faithful life till the day you die, that's perseverance of the saints. In the end, you'll know that you're saved. The truth of it is, if that is what you're trusting in to get you to heaven, in the end, you'll know that you're lost and you'll live forever separated from God because you've been trusting in your works, at least partially, to get you to heaven. And if you're trusting in them partially, that is what you're trusting in. See, you can't believe in Christ or you can't have your faith in Christ and you, you have to decide, am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust in Christ? Only faith in Christ brings salvation. Here's one that, that uh, those of us who are in Minnesota will find very interesting. The popular author, John Piper, who is in the last few years retired from pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis. The popular author, John Piper, and his staff They put out an article called Tulip, What We Believe About the Five Points of Calvinism. You can go on their website called Desiring God. You type that in, this article will come up. He writes this, and I quote, or they write this, and I quote, we mean that the saints will and must persevere in obedience, which comes from faith. Election is unconditional. Look at the next phrase. But glorification is not. Now, let me pause here. In other words, when you got saved, part of the package was not glorification. That is so contrary to the word of God. Romans 8 says when you believe, you are already glorified the moment you believe. But he says, no, it's not. Glorification is not guaranteed. Let me continue. There are many warnings in Scripture that those who do not hold fast to Christ can be lost in the end. He continues, nevertheless, we must also own up to the fact that, watch it now, our final salvation is made contingent upon subsequent obedience, which comes from faith. Now, it's tricky, and I'm going to get into the tricky part in just a minute. Because, see, they couple it with faith. They couple it with faith. But I want you to, before we move on, I want you to notice two important issues here. One is this. He says that, quote, those who do not hold fast to Christ can be lost in the end. 
So wait, what are you saying? Are you saying that you can lose your salvation? Sure sounds like it. Is he not saying that we are kept saved by works, by persevering? Is that not what he just said? Now listen, folks, if that's not what they mean, why did they write it? Secondly, he says, quote, our final salvation is made contingent upon our subsequent obedience, which comes from faith. Is he not saying that we are saved by obedience, which is our good works? Because that's what obedience is, is good works. Is he not saying that? Now, let me tell you something. As somebody who was raised Catholic, these positions are very similar to what the Roman Catholic Church believes and teaches. Namely, that good works are involved in getting us to heaven. The Catholic Church believes that it is through the sacraments, beginning with baptism, that God gives you the grace to persevere and live a life of good works, ultimately being saved in the end. That's what the Catholic Church teaches. Sacraments distribute grace, defined by the Catholic Church, is like energy or the power to obey. And then you get energized by that and you live faithfully and then you make it to heaven. Now look at Piper's statement again. We mean that the saints will and must persevere in obedience. Those who do not hold fast to Christ can be lost in the end. Our final salvation is made contingent upon the subsequent obedience which comes from faith. That's exactly what the Catholic Church is teaching. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that's an official book by the Catholic Church. I have a copy in my office, by the way. It says this, and I quote, the church affirms, now keep in mind what Piper just said. The church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. In the same catechism, it it states, quote, we can have merit in God's sight only because of God's free plan to associate man with the work of his grace. Merit is to be ascribed in the first place to the grace of God. That's exactly what Calvinism teaches. And secondly, to man's collaboration. Man's merit is due to God. That's exactly what Calvinism teaches. You can earn your way and persevere to the end because the grace of God is there for if you're a true believer and the grace of God will keep you faithful. It is through the grace of God that you can continue to be faithful and make it to the end. That's exactly what the Catholic Church teaches, except through the Catholic Church, it's through the sacraments that grace is given. Notice here in this this quote from the Catholic Church, notice that it says that man's collaboration is necessary for salvation. What is collaboration? It's teamwork. It's cooperation. It's God does his part, I do mine. Instead of God did it all, I trust in him that he did that for me. The two are not the same. It is the idea of God giving man grace so that man can work for his salvation. This is mixing grace and works. And this, folks, is the doctrine of perseverance. Let me give you another one. In Dave Hunt's book, What Love Is This?, He has a quote in there. Robert Wilkin reported that he heard at R.C. Sproul's Legionnaire National Conference on June 15th through the 17th, 2000 in Orlando, Florida, 
There were some 5,000 people at the conference, by the way, in recent years and recent decades, always attended or almost always attended by John MacArthur, who believes the same. We'll talk about some of his things next week. There were about 5,000 people at the conference. Here's what Wilkins stated. He heard this himself, and he's quote, uh, this is a quote from the book, What Love Is This? Quote, John Piper described himself as a seven-point Calvinist. I don't even know what that means. And said, here's what Piper said, that no Christian can be sure he is a true believer. Hence, there is an ongoing need to be dedicated to the Lord and deny ourselves so that we might make it. Unquote. That's not what the Bible teaches. See, this conclusion and mindset is all the fruit of the doctrine of perseverance. For those who hold to it, it robs them of the joyful assurance God wants every one of his children to have. What about songs like, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I hope I'll be there. I'm trying to persevere and stay faithful. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, wait, that's not enough. I need to persevere to the end to be sure. Well, then you don't have blessed assurance. You have blessed maybe. Folks, it is clear that Christ's preservation is not what these men are referring to. They are not referring to the fact that when Jesus saves us, he keeps us safe forever from that moment on. That's not what they're talking about. They are referring to our perseverance. Okay? Jesus keeps us saved. We're not saved because we remain faithful. The doctrine of perseverance says this. If you are saved, you will be faithful and persevere in your faith until the end of your life. All true believers persevere. If you do not persevere, then you are not a believer and you will end up in hell. That is a basically explanation of what the perseverance of the saints, that Calvinism teaches. It is a false doctrine. It is a poison in the churches today. It is being taught and it is wrong. Look with me to John chapter 5. Here's what Jesus says. You notice, by the way, every verse on salvation, biblical salvation, every verse is focused on Jesus Christ and what he did. Not one of them is focused on what we do or our faithfulness. It's all focused on his faithfulness. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, possesses now, everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Why? According to the construction here, because you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. You shall not come into condemnation, but is passed or has passed from death unto life. Once you trust Christ as your savior, you shall not come into condemnation. That's what Jesus said. He's God. He knows what he's talking about. He controls the gates of heaven. And he says, if you trust in him, you can know you're saved. You can know you've passed from death unto life. You can know you'll never be condemned. Calvinism says, the only way you can know that is if you live faithfully to the end of your life and you die in faith. By the way, you have to die in faith. Now that in itself is so riddled with wrong theology that it is pathetic. We are going to 
deal with that in the future, okay? Because there's people in the Bible who were believers who did not die in faith, and yet the Bible says they were believers. You might say, well, how if they're not believers and they didn't die in faith? Well, listen, if you believe that all believers die in faith and they didn't die in faith, and yet the Bible says they're believers, then you have only one other choice. Your other choice is this. Well, then they must have lost their salvation. You can't lose your salvation. Now, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying today. God wants those of us who are his children, who are believers, to live faithful lives. He wants that for us. The Bible could not be clearer. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, it was the will of God for me as a new child of God. Yes, to live a faithful life as a child of God, to live a faithful Christian life. But whether I do or don't has no bearing on the fact that he saved me and gave me eternal life, and I've got reservations in heaven with him. The Lord gave me, yes, the power by his Holy Spirit to fulfill his will for me, but it is not a requirement for being saved. It is the challenge before me as a child of God. And if I live a faithful life, it isn't that I'll make it. If I live a faithful life, I'll be rewarded. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two. I am laboring to make this as clear as I can today. Ephesians two, verses eight through 10 says in verse eight, for by grace are you saved through faith, not works. He does not say, for by grace are you saved through faith and your faithfulness. That's the perseverance of the saints. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, once you get that settled and you trust Christ the Savior apart from works, then God says, okay, I have a desire for you. I have a will for your life now that you're a child of God for We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, for the purpose of, yes, good works which God hath before ordained that we, look at the next word, should walk in them. The perseverance of the saints would read it this way, which God hath before ordained that we will walk in them or that we must walk in them. Doesn't say that, it says should. Now, will every believer live a faithful life? No, no. But it doesn't change the fact that the only way you get to heaven is through simple faith in Christ. Well, yeah, but don't you believe, Pastor, that if a person's really saved, oh, I hate that term, really saved. Are there degrees of salvation? If they're really saved, they are going to live a faithful life? No. Should they? Yes. Will they? Not necessarily. The truth of it is we're all somewhere in between. Because every time we get selfish, every time we think about ourselves, every time we sin, we are not living a faithful life. How many sins will separate you from God in eternity? How many sins do you have to sin to prove you never had it? You know, it's amazing to me, there are Baptists who say, salvation's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then they'll come right along behind it and they'll say, but you know what? If you don't live this way and that way and this way, that way, that way, you're never saved. They cannot see the contradiction. Folks, how God sees us in eternity is different than how he sees us on a daily level. I am glorified in the eyes of eternity. In this world, 
As I mentioned last week, yes, God wants me to progress in my walk with him. He wants me to grow and mature. That is the will of God, make no mistake about it. But it has no bearing on where I'm going when I die. One more passage. See, our security is in what Christ has done for us. We're already here in one verse, but let me show you a couple others before it. 1 John chapter 5, in verse 9, it says this, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. What is that referring to? I'm glad you asked. Keep reading. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is not in our works or perseverance. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. You may know that you have eternal life. I hope you see it today. I hope you see it. Friends, this false teaching of the perseverance of the saints is everywhere you turn. And as the false teaching of Calvinism continues to grow worldwide, this perseverance of the saints comes right along with it because it is one of the pillars of Calvinism. You're going to run into more and more people who are firm in their unbelief, thinking, hoping, they're saved, but in fact have never rested in the finished work of Christ for salvation. I say this today, I covered what I covered today for one reason and one reason only. Listen carefully, friend. I do not want people to go to hell. I do not want you to have a false hope in yourself to any extent. I want your Eternity to be based on what Christ has done for you because that is the only way. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Not by your faithfulness, not by your perseverance, not by your motives. It's only through faith in Christ. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening, and would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.